Welcome to the Crack House Podcast. You're listening to Rick Bronson. Jack Galvin. Live from the House of Comedy Studios in beautiful North Phoenix. Uh, and Jack, uh, we'd like to thank our sponsors on today's show. Of course, uh, well, you can, you can do the first thing. The first one we'd like to do is uh, Old Arroyo Entertainment. That's oldarroyoentertainment.com for all your uh, tech needs, recording needs, mixing needs. And these boys know what they're doing because they're doing our shit right now. Yes, they are. You're damn I right. right. I know these guys are great. Yeah, two yeah. Uh, two young guys, fresh out of school, really know the uh, AR and uh, and uh, they they know their they know their tech. And uh, obviously, we want to uh, b- give a big shout out to the Big Pine Comedy Festival yep. this September from nineteenth through the twenty second. Nineteenth through the twenty second, uh, brought to you uh, b- by the House of Comedy as House well. Of Comedy, oh, yeah. And uh, we'll be there making a big splash, big presence. But we're here today, Jack, to talk about our guest on today's show. Uh, I'm very excited to have this guy. We have um, back-to-back weeks here, Jack, of um, neurotic Jewishness is what we've got on the go here. It's been intense. It's Uh, been intense every weekend. But uh, this week, uh, we'd like to uh, welcome to the podcast a very funny young man, um, hardworking guy. You know him from uh, Game Show Network's Idiot Test. Um, It's the incomparable Ben Glebe. Have you worked with Ben before, Jack? I've never worked with Ben, but when he was here last in town, I got to hang out. Yeah, Ben is uh Ben is a quirky cat, but I think his quirkiness is certainly his appeal and his charm of his comedy. He definitely has that to him. Oh, for sure. Um, but I'm intrigued to find out how I'm gonna do personally, Jack, being also a neurotic Jew, interviewing two neurotic Jews in back to back segments. I mean, I, I know I'm probably not gonna talk quite at all, maybe. And you're gonna have to be <laughs> circumcised if you want to talk. You it's it really is a heavy Jew show. Yeah, it really I brought a hat. So we'll you see. brought a hat. <laughs> we call them kippahs or yarmulkes, okay, but if bad. you want to call it a oh, hat and just, you know, bastardize my religion, that's whatever, a, that's, that's, a bad, I'm that's good a bad with that, too. Jump into that. <laughs> so, crackheads out there, sit back, tune in, enjoy. We're about to, ready to rock with the Crack House Podcast. Family, loved ones, listeners, you are listening to the Crack House podcast recorded live in the downtown, well, North Scottsdale, North Phoenix, downtown studios at House of Comedy, Arizona. Uh, I'm Rick Bronson, one of your hosts. Joining me, as always, to my left is, of course, Mr. Jack Galvin. Good to see you, hello, Jack. Hello, And to my right. Mr. Matt Broom. Matt Broom. Jack, he's actually here. Not a ghost, not fictitious. Matt Broom is in the building. Hard to believe. On time. And our very special guest, currently on hold with his Infinity dealership in California (laughs) as we speak. I've known this guy for a long time, and uh, I've always been a fan, and I I always consider him like a brother in comedy. I think it's the Judaism thing. I Uh think it's, I'm a little, I feel like your bigger brother, a little bit older. Wait, the lady's back. Hold on. Hello. (laughs) During the intro, perfect. During the intro. <laughs> Hi. Hello? So, yes, yeah, so I asked for you, and you should be fine driving back tonight. And the kind of oil you would need is usually synthetic oil. Okay, so I don't need to add a, add a quart. I just drive back 400 miles. I'll be fine. Yes, you should be fine. It's, Excellent. It won't be a problem. Just make sure you call tomorrow and make an appointment. You're a dream come true. Thank you for everything you've done for me. 
You're welcome. Have a good day. Bye-bye. And our special guest today, who uh, you will be able to see tonight at around 2 a.m., uh, parked somewhere between <laughs> Phoenix and Los Angeles uh, as his car is overheating Life. from putting in some kind of synthetic oil that was recommended by the person who answers the phones at Infinity. <laughs> not even not even the sales shop, not even the service department. Mm-hmm. Ben's going with Maybell, the phone answerer. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, our very special guest, Ben Glebe, is in the house. Hello, ben. everybody. Hello. Thank you, brother in arms. Good Rick to see Bronson. you, man. Good to see you, too. Um, and hey, just so you know, I have been... What, what's that? What are you playing? I'm, try, I'm trying to get That's the, oh, are, are we live on Facebook right now? We are live. We're, we're, we're beautiful. Maybe I'll retweet it. If I'm tagged, I'm going to retweet it. Actually, we should probably swap you two guys out. Just Well, no, you're good if you just sit back. Then you're good. Or sit back. Or I can swap. He won't talk so much. Then you just see my neck roll, my fat neck roll. I, I would right really here. love to touch that line about him when he says he loves swapping better because there's like an hour we can get into on that. Apparently there's a big swinger community here in uh in I in don't Phoenix. know, Matt, is Matt's there a big house. swinger community? In <laughs> now your hand's blocking my oh, face. Sorry, Are you sorry. aware of camera dynamics, <laughs> Matt? Yeah, Jesus. It's been a while. Uh, let me cheat out. No. Well, no, we had 20, we had a, uh, a group of 20 swingers here last night for the late show. Uh, wow. Yes. Unfortunately, 18 guys, two gals. That's exactly right. That's right. the 20 swingers that showed up. And they bought 50 tickets and none of their swingies <laughs> arrived. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, so speaking of you blocking the camera, just so people know who we're talking to, t- uh, to today, uh, you're going to definitely recognize Ben um, from uh, uh, from uh, GSN's Idiot Test, which, mm-hmm. uh, uh, by the way, dude, I was really disheartened to hear that they didn't pick it up again. Thanks. Because honestly, as far as game shows go, what a fun, great great concept Thank that you. allowed a host to actually be able to bust contestants' balls. Yeah. It was really, in my humble opinion, the first TV show, the first TV game show that allowed the host to be able to be a bit, you know, give the give the gears a little. Thank end. you. And I don't know why they, uh, did they give you a reason? I well, mean, I think I know. I mean, numbers yeah. are always the reason. Numbers Dollars part and of cents, it. right? But I think I know a big reason for it. Now, when I, I never had, a goal, had the goal of being a game show, so I always wanted to be a comedian first. Stand comedian, and then I, I act and I host, and I always wanted to host a late night talk show. And still, my big goal one day, Johnny Carson is still my idol. He's the reason that I got into hosting. And I was pretty heartened to find out after I took the GSN gig that Carson started as a game show host. I forgot that, so that was cool. But I did not want to be a game show host because it's such a cheesy image of game show hosts. And I have trying to, I've always tried to not be that, to try to be different, try to be a little more cutting edge, a little more unique. And so when I accepted the job, I only accepted it under the guideline that I wasn't even going to really tell the network, but I'm going to host it like a dick. I'm going to host this thing. My inspiration was the old British lady from The Weakest Link. That mean lady. I just wanted to be so mean and have people come up to my gauntlet and just do what I do in crowd work, but like even another level up. Like just wanted to like have people have to earn a smile for me, have have to prove to me that they are worthy of me giving them any respect whatsoever. Because I don't care if they like me on, on stage. I want the audience at home to be entertained. And it adds a whole other dynamic to watching the show. And then as the seasons went on, I became the head writer and the co-executive producer. Wearing a show. lot of hats on the damn show. And I started working on every single test, helping create every single test. And then working on all the scripts. And so Jay you were Chris, slowly killing yourself. Congratulations. I was, indeed. Jay Chris Newberg was the only other comedy writer on the show. And he wrote the majority of the shell scripts. And I would improvise with the contestants. And we really did a lot to change the network. We... We're tasked with aging the network down, 
and we really did a great job. We brought G- uh, GSN down from 67 median age to 63, so you're welcome. <laughs> and no, that is, it is That's really, a big change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because but they bring a lot of younger was, and, and I mean, I'm sure, and you probably were about to make this point, but allow me to interject. The other thing I'd mention is it was the first game show on their network that I can, uh, that I can think of that uh, you were getting, I mean, how many times did you show up on the Today Show because of it? Um, well, it led but, to a big thing with the Today Show. Yeah, right. they had me on there just to promote it once. And, and then, then they kept like, having you back. They asked me to do their Guys Tell All panel. I've been a regular for two and a half years on the Today so, Show. I've been on like 25 so times. why are you dumping a show that's getting the host right, getting on millions morning of viewers, TV and right. millions of... Like, that's to me, is just dumb fucking program. But it's millions of dollars that it costs to make our show, and so... They would have kept us. We were the longest-lasting show on the whole network. We outlasted Rebecca Romaine's Skin Wars. We outlasted The Chase. We outlasted all these shows that were on the network. And um, But did you outlast Rebecca Romaine's Skin Chase? That's something else. No, I she's mean. her skin game's on point, man. <laughs> and she's the coolest. She's fun to party with, too. But um, So we lasted outlasted every show. We were the highest-rated original program, only second to Steve Harvey's Family Feud, which they got in syndication. And... The reason I think they didn't pick us up is because network-wide and also all of cable TV-wide, viewers are just dropping off. And so GSN, I think, decided that they're not going to try to compete with the major networks anymore to create cutting-edge, fancy, shiny programming. They're going to try to go back to their roots, which just is... picking up third part, third window. Uh, and, then, and then making the new shows they'll make will be more like middle America-friendly... Less challenging. I'm gonna be called idiot test. I'm gonna be at the host making fun of people. Are you telling me you're not middle America friendly? I guess not, man. Based on, I'm, we're gonna. I was gonna talk about this a little bit later. I mean, you don't know this, but I mean, we saw each other on Thursday, but I popped in on Friday and I watched oh. you on Friday. Oh, you did, cool. And um, so you talk about not being beloved in middle America. Uh, I would think for you now, listening to a lot of your show. I think it comes down to a lot of red state, blue state with you. And I wanted to talk to you about sure. that and find out. Because I'll be honest, I'm in a situation where I try to be completely apolitical as a pers- as a club owner, right. especially in one in multiple states sure. where there's different, different ideological beliefs. Um, but we've had, I've literally had people, uh, customers send us emails saying, this comic went on and said these jokes about Trump, this, this, and this, and uh, I didn't find it funny. And if you're going to keep booking acts like that, I am not going to frequent your establishment. Yeah, well, those people are idiots. I, I don't disagree. Yeah, and right. as far as I'm concerned, and this won't be the first nor the last podcast I say this on, but at the end of the day, I truly believe that the comedy club is the last bastion of free speech Big in the time. globe. Big the time. press 100%. can't do it any longer. Media can't do it. No one can do it any longer. We are the last of the oracles, gentlemen. And I not just free that. speech, but also of truth and honesty, because it's the one place you know it's resonating as truth and it makes somebody laugh. And so it's one of the only places there's no filter anymore. There's no spin to anything you're saying. There's nobody calling fake news. It's you say a fact or a statement or an opinion. Or an opinion, and yeah, it gets exactly. And it gets a response that is very real. So it's, a last, it's like an open forum. Because I'll give you a question. Here's where I find you really ballsy, and I totally commend this. You show up in a predominantly Republican state. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, it's the, it's the most different Republican state I've seen in the eight years that I've sure. lived here because it's, well, one, it was the first time I've ever seen the Arizona Republic in the history of its newspaper not endorse the Republican candidate, right. mm-hmm. which is really strange. Um, and second of all, I mean, 
you come to a state where obviously you do some pretty good solid, I mean, for lack of a better word, let's call it Trump bashing, but I hate saying that because they're actually very well-crafted, good Trump bits and jokes. Thank it's you. actually really well-written, really Thank well-structured. You. And people should just come and appreciate it on that level yeah. and forget about the white and, and black And I throw jokes A&B. on both sides. I give Trump some props about his speaking yeah, style and, and I Bernie make Sanders fun of Hillary thoughts. and I make fun of Bernie Sanders too. But you show up to, the, to this state, yeah. you do the, these jokes, and... You take part in what I would have been scared to show up to yesterday. You were at the gun rally. True that. Yeah. Tell me about it. True that. Well, <laughs> I have tried to be, I'm not trying to, I just am very political for many years. And I, it's something that I am torn with in my career mind because, like you said, it's alienating. You know, I would even make occasionally Trump jokes on the idiot test and we'd get hate mail. And, and um, whenever I post about it online, I lose fans every time. I think those fans are really close-minded idiots. I, I think have, you should tour with Owen Benjamin right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> he is he's another level right now, man. Uh, left he and just right. flaked on me for my podcast, but Twitter game he's been a friend fire. for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, his Twitter game's on fire. It'd be nice if not every other tweet said faggot in it. That would be yeah, nice. I don't know he's why gone, he's, he's going. Gone, he's gone Miller right. Yeah. He's oh, gone. He's, yeah. He, oh, I mean, yeah. that's further than Miller. I mean, he's yeah, thrown no, he, epithets into tweets to make points, but I don't quite always understand the point. And, and throwing the N-word in there. And, and, he's and, like, and he mm-hmm. looks in his video stuff. I don't know if you've seen him. But yeah, I've he seen looks visually agitated, yeah. visually disturbed. And he's a, he's a dear old friend, and he's a very smart guy, and I love debating with him. I don't know. Like, I just hope it's not... It's not, to a large degree, just trying to get views and trying to get numbers, and he's going more extreme than he believes because how all of a sudden do you move to a cabin in the woods and you're, a, you're, right. you, you're that much different in your public opinions? And I get it. He was dropped by his agents, and he's probably just going guns blazing, figuring why not just triple down on this vibe. But that's another point. But um, So, yeah, so I come into a, a gun state and a Republican state, and I don't – Catering my material anywhere. You know, I had to throw some people out in St. Louis who I was doing a joke pro trans rights, and some guy goes, You're so fucking political, and started talking shit. I just I threw them out. I mean, I you know, I don't throw people out, but they were so destructive and they were maybe kind of getting up. So I started sort of said, Get out when they're already leaving. But yeah. <laughs> but like I'm not fearless about I'm I am fearless about that kind of thing because you just have to be, you know. I always view it as like in times in the past in our history when people had to make stands. And their lives would be on the line. I mean, look at you know World War II for Christ's sake. Our my grandparents had to had to risk their lives. All of our families had to put their lives in line to fight for their country. You fought for our country, Matt. And all I got to do is tell some jokes and not back down. And still afterwards, go and finish my pizza backstage. It's like a tiny thing to do. To me, it's not well. It's particularly. a big pizza. It depends. That's on That's true. Yeah. And very spicy. <laughs> But the um, probably. it's my favorite pizza in the world is your uh, spicy buffalo with it celery. Really is it's good. incredible so fucking good. pizza. <laughs> and I'm on a diet, and I've played your three cities in a row I'm now, and too. I keep having See, a pizza. Always, oh, I should have told saying, you, you stub yeah. the celery and get jalapenos, even better. Oh, my plus, God. Plus, we really are saying, and plus my wife always says, I mean, my wife's had the month, what she calls the Jewy month from hell because she's had to deal with uh, myself. Orny and uh, and Ben, so she's, <laughs> she's dealing with like the th- the three all Jews the that love to speak their mind. Oh, geez. all back back to back to back, all in one. And then and then guess who's here next week? Rich Voss. Like I mean, we have the Mount Rushmore oh, of, of neurotic God. Jews. Jeez, it really is. That's why my Showtime special is called Neurotic Gangster. Well, I well, own I'm it, and my that. production company. I've done all my research. Okay, dude. Good, and plus right. I've known you a long time. This is true. But so just to put a cap on on that thought, so like I I announced I was going to go to the march. I wanted to go to the march. And I got so drunk on a Friday night that I, Thanks, I 
I went over and hung out with my friend Tone Bell, who's playing another club in town, and yeah. I, I got... You took my kid on his birthday. I did. Yeah. It was really fun. He's the best. Noah's awesome. And um, Tone's a dear friend of mine, and we hung out and drank so much, and I didn't get up in time to get... I thought the march would last many, many, many hours like it does in L.A., and I got there, and it had just ended. So I got a couple photos, and I posed with some of the volunteers, but I pretty much so missed it. So you didn't even get in the march. <laughs> I didn't get in the march, Yet no. all of your social media images make me think, oh, I'm so proud of Ben. Thank you. Well I, well, I went. Well, I, well, because I, 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 I knew by the time I went down there that it was ending, but I knew that I would catch the telltale end, and I'd already tweeted I was going, and so I figured if I actually do drive down and go, and I spent a few minutes there, and I hung out with the volunteers, took some pictures, some cool signs that were still there, Granted, I was there. But in all honesty, you there. could have held that sign and taken pictures after the show with the audience here and just said It would have looked there. the same. Yeah, it would have looked bigger than my pictures. <laughs> but but uh, as I joked on stage last night, I'm pro- common sense gun reform, but I'm not 9 a.m. pro it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm about noon pro gun control. I am I am pro politics that are on comics hours, not yeah. bankers hours. Now what is this 9, 10 a.m. bullshit? Well, I felt bad because on set, I knew you were going there on Saturday because I knew your schedule for the podcast. Yeah. Going, and I actually was dropping my son off at 10 o'clock that morning at Ben Avery, which is a shooting range here. Because <laughs> they had a festival this weekend. Which, nice. is, which is, they handle babysitting. That's why you drop <laughs> your kids at well, the Ben Avery His grandma range. and grandpa were there. They're the, from up north. They're, you know, shooting range and baby care emporium. I, I just like to point out how Jack works as a dad. Yesterday, he took his kid to a shooting range. Today, to a driving range. I'm just saying flip-flop, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, well flip-flop. <laughs> you might have wanted to start with the driving range. But also, like... On the political point, it's like I, I really try. Yeah, definitely I'm more liberal than conservative, and I definitely lean left, but I'm not but, all but the but way. Being, but then, I'm sorry, let me just interject. Yeah. But also, because I think, again, we're very similar here, because I would describe myself the same way uh, politically, but at the same time, I also know if I were an American, uh, my economic and my business sensibilities are very sure. much uh, Republican right. sense, which sure. is why so many of my 60-year-old Jewish buddies are regardless of their dislike uh, for Trump, they're still steadfast fucking Republicans. Right, sure. And and so I definitely, on some economic policies, I am Republican. But even beyond that, I'm a, a staunch supporter of the Second Amendment. I think that people that try to say all guns are bad are idiots. You need to be able to protect yourself. I am not against enhanced interrogation techniques. I think when we have terrorists that are trying to kill people, pouring some water on their fucking head through a towel, making them think they're drowning, ain't shit. So what? My, it's like I, baptism, I basically. Exactly. My like, theory relax is, a little. if you did it to your little brother growing up, right. it's fine to exactly. do to a potential terrorist. 100%. So let's not be pussies about shit. No, like, bring in the lawn darts. That's what I exactly. say. Exactly. lawn darts. You got to pull off a fingernail or two. I get it. I do that, but his buddy, my nails all the time as an erotic Jew. I can relate to Jew. it. Sometimes it hurts, but hey, life hurts. Why are our people so neurotic as a whole? Why is it? Is it because we're detail-oriented and therefore successful in business, I tell myself, or not? I, I mean, I, I, I think— It's not a bad quality, I don't think. No, I mean, I, it's annoying, I, but it's not bad. I, I think it, it is definitely of annoyance. I mean, I catch myself in my own neuroses yeah. saying, what the hell's wrong with I you? I send Tammy 40 texts to get one point across, but I'm trying to be diligent. <laughs> well, here's my point. Covering so every angle. I get so uh, two weeks ago, Ben's playing for us in Minnesota, and um, he's bringing a uh, feature with him. And uh, so she, and he texts me and gives me the girl's phone number. And I'd never met her before, but I text her and I make sure that. And but she's arriving before Ben, and she's not responding to any of my texts. 
And then I call her. And right when I call her, she happens to be talking to the manager of the club, uh-huh. so everything was fine. But I must have seen, and I'll show you my phone after, but we're recording on it, <laughs> the amount of text from Ben. Because and, and out of genuine love. Like, he was yeah. just concerned about his friend, wanted totally. to make sure. But that concern, I think, tra- uh, uh, parlayed itself into about a, a, a good 16 or so back and forth. <laughs> She's on her way. I'm leaving on the plane. You got to do something. I Get need to know that. right I now, need, please. Please tell me that she's I've already also gonna... texted Dino and Tammy and Noah. And the entire staff at all three clubs. Uh, but if any, first of all, one thing you should know is the operations we run. We're nev- we're not a club. We appreciate our talent. MC no. feature. Hello, we're not leaving anyone out. To oh, I need to say th- something on that point. You guys, I just I put on my Instagram story two nights ago. Are not only some of the best clubs in the world, just on the standpoint of how they look, how the vibe is, how the they're top notch. The menu's incredible. The vibe's incredible. The staff is super dope. The clubs are amazing with these great screens. But every single time, it's the most comic-friendly family vibe of any club I've ever played. We try to be, and you I appreciate you saying that. You guys are the sweetest in the world. I mean, there, over the years, there have been so many times I had to cancel sometimes a week before because I got a TV gig, but and you and Tammy have never said a word what to do me. What we say? No, we say congratulations. That is what you're trying to make happen in this business. Exactly. We want you to have as big a career as possible. Don't worry about we'll it. We'll work around anybody's you schedule guys are like incredible. that. incredible. I can't the do tonight's show, by the way. I got to go to LA. Oh, well, you got to get oil. <laughs> uh, the more TV credits you get, yeah. the easier it is to sell us on your 12th and 13th time through mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's common sense uh additionally i mean really where this stems from ben and you know being a comic first club uh i used to hate seeing headliners that had better credits than me but not necessarily a better act than totally. me better credits getting fucking treated like you know oh no your food and beverage first of all the guys that can always afford it you ever right. notice they're the ones that are getting comped everything on everything free, right so we've always made it our point to, uh, I used to be upset uh, as a headliner that got treated as a second-class citizen compared to a Kevin Pollack who sure. was there the week before me or whatever. Uh, no disrespect, obviously, to Kevin Pollack, big fan, great impersonator. Yep. Uh, but I know I, that I was delivering and doing the job and mm-hmm. getting the applause breaks and uh, getting rebooked, so I'm doing something right. And uh, uh, I used to be really frustrated by uh, you know how they bend over backwards for bigger guys. So we made it a point from day one that every comic gets treated exactly the same. It's really the best. I mean, everybody here is so nice that it makes it just like a real pleasure to do every show. And like, I mean, it just feels special. Like I, I needed a light in the corner there at night so I could see my food when I was eating dinner before I went up. And they found a Candle uh, for you, a little electric. Yeah, candle. Mother Mary. No, a real Virgin candle. Mary. Oh. Virgin Mary votive candle. And I was. I, I was going to give you a, 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 y- you a yard site candle, but I thought you might have took it as your career dying or something. <laughs> <laughs> yard site boys is what the Jews light on in memory of a past uh, That's right. loved one, a past relative. That's right. So it was a beautiful vibe back there. It was very religious and it got me in the zone. But also, oh, the, the last thought on the political thing is so I really try to be centrist as I can on my podcast last week on Earth, which I hope everybody subscribes to. I covered the week. Solid podcast. Thank you. Podcast. Every week I summarize what happened during, during the, the world during that last week. My 200th episode recently I had General Wesley Clark. But my second guest ever was Megan McCain in Arizona, who's a dear friend yep. of mine. So we need to have friends on all sides of the political spectrum. Of course, I have a lot of comics on it, too. But I'm doing another show lately that I've been podcasting the audio. It's called We the People, and it's me moderating two on the left and two on the right. Yeah, I saw you promote it. And you did that at the store. At the Improv. At the Improv, rather. And yeah, I'm doing I it saw again you. on the 23rd, trying to get Tommy Laren. And looks like Michael Loftus will be doing it versus maybe Greg Proops and or Christopher Titus or Jenny Zagrino on the other oh, side. Man, that was great. It's going to be amazing. So. I haven't seen Proops in a long time. Actually, I haven't seen Titus in a long time. Titus Proops. just made a cameo Proops on our last one. I love Proops. He's a dear friend. He and I were on NPR together for many years on Pat Morrison's Comedy Congress. 
um, talking politics. So just trying to find middle grounds. That's why I do a lot of the bits I talk on stage. I state my opinions, but then I also say I get the other side and like there just has to be common sense middle grounds. My favorite point about it is just we're not on opposite sides. It really is a complete mind fuck matrix power flip that that power structures, government and media try to make it seem like we are left versus right, red versus blue. And really, it's just top down. It's the people in power and rich corporations are the ones that get all the money and power and they just keep us fighting each other down below and it's really insane what's the nastiest thing red and blue is the colors of bloods and crips as i say in my act why is that the colors they've given us so what's the nastiest thing you've ever heard from a uh, audience member whether it was face-to-face confrontation or even via social media or email Oh, on social media all the time, I'll get people that just, you know, call me a libtard and a snowflake and go, I hope you, you fucking, I hope you die. I hope you get attacked. I mean, just like the most vitriolic, horrible things. Those people are just very stupid. They all, every time they leave a comment like that, even if it's a death threat, so many spelling and grammar errors. You, you, you rule it out when someone can't spell. You figure, well, like, my first reaction is fucking well. millennial. Right. True also. <laughs> Mine is, what's a snowflake? What is uh, You're unique? What's, what's the problem? I know. Snowflake? If you, being right? the whitest black guy in the world, should know what a snowflake is. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say exactly? You are the whitest black man in I the world. I don't understand that, but no. Like, <laughs> you're black. I didn't even know you were black. <laughs> Amazing. That's how white it is. I try to keep it a secret as much as possible. It's beautiful. You're like the opposite of the movie Soul Man. You've been taking anti-tanning pills. <laughs> Well done. Trying I'm to get black in the summer. As soon as you see me in the summer, it's winter. I just got back from Minnesota. I, I lost all my pictures. You know where he's per- he's perfectly castable though to do a remake of the Eddie Murphy SNL bus scene. Oh, that's the greatest sketch ever. I'm Mr. Ever. White, and he goes around as a white person. The last black person gets off the bus, bus turns into a party. hors d'oeuvre party with champagne, and yeah. oh, it's the greatest sketch. Awesome, one of the best. Really, really good. Back then. Oh my god, why so doesn't he has, do real comedy anymore? Ha, yeah, true that. I th- there was speculation. There was some rumor a little while back when. Um, you know, uh, actually, um, in Charlie's last year when he was still yeah. alive and performing, yeah. Eddie, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of rumor mill about Eddie putting the uh, uh, kick and the mic back mm, on. I remember so, that. Um, I, I wouldn't give it up completely. No. I, I think it's one of those things that we all come back to. I, I really hope do. so. Although, what's he going to talk about now? Man, it is hard voicing Shrek or whatever. <laughs> well, it's funny you say <laughs> that. So that's right. that donkey. I mean, we t- you know, uh, t- uh, talking podcast for a sec. I mean, for the longest time, you know, one of the most successful podcasts that started it all for comics was Mark Marin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, based on your analogy of what you just said about Murphy doing stand-up, I have a harder time now appreciating Marin like I first did. And I and don't get me wrong, Marin's a genius. Yeah. I have nothing but respect for Mark Marin. But the um, I found him, uh, I found his stuff hit harder with me um, when, he, like him, the, the over-the-top, miserable, neurotic miserable, Jew, yeah. worked better when he wasn't so successful. Right. But when you've got the, tons of TV shows on the go, you're obviously financially yeah. like, secure. It's hard for right. me to, uh, to, you know, to latch on to what he's trying to... Don't uh, you hate it when the president comes to your garage? I mean, and wow. hangs out with you for a few hours. Exactly. I know, Moving for sure. Too, yeah. But also just, uh, I heard that too. Yeah. But like all, all comedians, I think, have that neuroses. And so you mix that with, with Judaism and it's a real neurosis uh, overload. Because I, one of my favorite anecdotes is Neil Brennan told me years ago that he was talking with Eddie Murphy back in his trailer on some movie set, and he says to Eddie, um, when did you finally feel like you could relax a little, like you'd really made it in this business? Was it when you got SNL, first Beverly Hills Cop? Eddie Murphy goes, Nutty Professor 2. 
I mean, yeah. that's how you never <laughs> sure. know where your next meal's coming from in this business. That's why they say, that's you know, so they, you, you get warned by veteran comics coming up. At least I always was, you know, because we dealt with a lot of douchebag club owners out there. But they said to keep the peace. You never know who you're going to need totally. to meet again on the way back down. Totally. And it happens to all of us. You totally. can't stay up forever. No one nope. does. The only person that comes to mind when I say has been on top forever, and it's the, honestly, I think I can say this, the only person is someone like Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. where she is just uh, on her, strictly on her, on her gift, on her strength. She is always, she's been one of those that takes or refuses as much work as she wants. I mean, there are some comics that maybe, I've, I feel like Don Rickles probably was on top ever since he made it. He probably gets to always keep playing theaters yeah, Don, and stuff. But it, yeah, he could, but it, I mean, it's not like Don could produce a movie whenever right, he wanted or right. he was getting thrown a million Yeah, films, not the top or, top, that's true. You know, um, so I'm, you know, I'm talking about that's people true. who can really green light anything, call their own ticket. I mean, sure, you got guys like Spielberg, obviously, right, right. but... Um, Meryl Streep, also one of the great comics of all time. One of the great comics She's amazing. Time. Daniel Day Lewis did a, did a pretty had a pretty w- weird career. He's supposed to be retiring now too. There's a guy that is it I don't really? even know how good of an actor he is. He's My good. Left foot I, was get it. Decent, I get and it. I get it. So was what was the uh, uh, the IRA movie? The Belf- um, Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York was amazing. But all I'm saying is, I just realized something about when I saw the preview for the most recent Daniel Day Lewis movie. I think the man is incapable of playing a modern day human. That's so possible. it's great yeah. if you're an actor. Yeah. Every role you can play some old timey guy that no one has a frame of reference for how you would act normally. But watch him play a businessman or a stockbroker. Yeah, He's yeah. never done it. Have you had? And it's funny. I mean, I've known you a while now, but I'm trying to think. Have you had any actual uh, acting parts? Because I know sure. you've played your more often than not the stuff I've seen you and you get to play yourself, well, which is true. always my choice. By the way, sure. I was a great ho- well, narcissistic bastard. <laughs> I, was a I, I was really good at hosting, but when I had to go read for something uh-huh. in character, I was car- I was really good at delivering my lines that I wrote. Right. Not so good at delivering other people's lines. Well, I am an actor. I consider myself an actor, even though I'm very frustrated with it, and I consider every few months quitting. That absolutely makes you an actor because if you're not frustrated <laughs> by acting, yeah. It's an insane. Jo- I don't know how anybody could be only an actor. I don't know how you make money at it. You have yeah. to become one of the few leading men to ever make money on it. As a character actor, you make so little. Even if you book five things a year, you're making maybe fifteen grand a year or yeah. something. It's yeah. insane. But so thank God you have stand up. But I can, I'm a, you know, I'm a trained actor. I was a theater minor in college. I've been training and I trained for many years after. And I love getting in character. I love immersing. And so I just did my first dramatic role in a short film called Channel. It takes place 100 years in the future. I play a, a former channel that helps like resurrect people from the dead, basically. And in a real weird, stylized science fiction thing that hopefully gets the light of day at some point. But yeah, I haven't done a, you know, I've done a lot of voiceover acting and stuff like Ice Age right, in the I, Book of Life yeah. as playing characters as with my voice. You were Sloth's uh, brother on uh, Ice Age Continental Ice Age. Drift, Marshall yeah. the Sloth. Yeah. But as far as on camera, like I played myself, like you said in in uh, Chelsea Handler's After Lately show, yeah. and but you know, I wrote and starred in a web series with Brian Drolet and Ben Morrison called Cynodope. So you can see it for free on YouTube. It's about the first movie theater to sell weed, and it's four episodes where I, where I play a character that's not myself. Um, I mean, not terribly dissimilar, but I do acting cameos here and there. I just don't audition well. So I've been auditioning for lead roles in is that sitcoms neuro- is for that years. Neurosis? Yes. I just hate. Here's have, the have thing. Have you dealt? Have you worked with a uh, with a coach that specializes? I should go to an audition class. Audition, yeah. No, I have not. I need to I've do that. I've done that in the past, and it was really eye opening. That's what I have to do because I'm actually really good in the room too. Like I'm a comic, so I'll make yeah, them laugh a lot in the room. You can, I play the table, no. But problem. then as soon as they're like, "Are you ready?" I shut off some part of the dynamism of what I do as a performer. 
because I'm feeling judged. And this is where I think auditions are not meant for neurotic Jews. <laughs> it's that, or just neurotic people in general, is that I've all, I've, I've done a lot of acting roles, probably 30, 40 acting roles over the years. You know, I just have, I have a movie coming out soon. I have one scene that's a funny scene, a movie called For the Love of George that a bunch of great people are in, uh, Tate Donovan and others. But um, I was just given the part. I auditioned for a bunch of big roles and I wasn't given them. And so they gave me kind of, threw me a bone with a smaller role. Right. What I think happens is every role I've ever been cast in through improvising in an audition or just being given a role, on set, I crush it. I over-deliver. And I've been in a movie, a movie with Charlie Murphy and John Bernthal and Eric Layden and Afion Crockett called Bar Stars. Never, it was in theaters for like a minute and a half, like 10 years ago. I've done acting roles. And I played a real character. I was playing a Middle Eastern guy, basically a member of Al-Qaeda who loves nightclubbing as well. Like, it was truly a transformative character who also loved pimping girls, you know? It was a totally different human being. But, um... You should be doing more voice work, dude. I would love to and do plus it. it's it's great bank. Oh, I, mean. I know. It's the one thing that really pays good residuals. But so I always over deliver on set and people are always very happy with me. But it's because when you're on a set, everybody kind of kisses your ass and they kind of are excited for you and it's a warm, loving environment. Auditions are the exact opposite. They're cold, oh. they're moving fast, they want you to to move along, to not waste their time. They're they're just they, un, they so unfriendly. So, they are so cold. They should yeah. be done in meat lockers, and they should actually take the yeah. actor auditioning, put a number on his chest, yeah. put him up on the meat rack, and slide him into the audition. That's what it feels like, 100%. That, I agree. And so I go in there, and I and it it's like now trying to talk to the group of 10 hot girls at the bar instead of a comedy club audience that you know is ready to re receive you, and you still get nervous in points like that. And I just get a little tight and nervous, and I'm not myself, and I never, ever book them. And it's just, it's at some point, it's the definition of insanity that I keep trying. It's why I think about quitting. It's like, it's just, I'm, I get so much work as a TV host and a comic and there's a political nothing, person. There's nothing wrong. I'll tell you right now, I am incredibly envious of people like uh, uh, Chris um, uh, Hat, uh, Hadwick. Chris, Chris Hardwick. 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 Um, I mean, uh, and he's, I think, very good at what he does. He's an excellent host. He does yep. it really well. Yep. And so far, he has about six shows he's hosted Unbelievable. on TV. I mean, five at the same time usually. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, unreal. Uh, there, and there's not a lot of comics who get into that niche. So if you can be one of those mm -hmm. guys, if you're one of the half dozen guys that's always getting the host gigs, right? Then, oh yeah, and if not, it was flowing yeah. into that degree for sure. But I just I love it so much. I can't ever decide to officially quit. And I wrote a script recently, and if I sold it, I would do it in a heartbeat. Or someone's like, play this role, I would do it. So I can't, like every time I think I quit, the next day I get an audition. Oh, an audition for the new Roseanne reboot. You want to go be in the back of an Uber that Roseanne's driving and Laurie Metcalf comes in? Yeah, I have to go in for that audition. I would okay. kill to have that role. And then I go in, I spend a day and a half preparing, and I don't get it. And I never hear another word about it. It's like this abyss. You go in, drop a performance, and you just never hear again. It's so and isn't the worst fucking part, annoying. You don't even get a penny for the audition. Not a process. penny. Oh, no. Even Which if you get a callback, you don't get a penny. Change, it I does. Think. Because it's still your time? Yeah. It's your time. You go back for a callback, sometimes a second callback, and you still don't get it. I've wasted five days on this damn thing for not a penny. So it's, it's frustrating, but I love it so much that I can't really drop it. And Brian Cranston, when he did my podcast last week on Earth Again that you all should subscribe to. Um, I he, listened to that one. That's a while ago you did that yeah, one. Yeah, that was, was, he's one of my back. first few yeah, guests. Yeah, yeah. So it was like maybe five, six that. years ago, but it's still one of my favorites. That, yeah. And he... I asked him all about that, the auditioning process, and what we just said now, I said, it seems cold and judgy, and he's like, no, Ben, do you think they don't want you? They're desperately wanting you to be the guy, and they want you to come in and crush it so hard that they have the confidence that they're going to give you that role, and their work is done for the day. 
I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. I tried that the next day in my audition, and it still didn't work. It's still they're still being dicks. If they were smiling a little bit. They said, let's work together for a few minutes, make it a work session, maybe. But yeah, I also maybe don't have the chops of Brian Cranston. And I sometimes think he can act, right? Come on, what Jesus. does he know? But I sometimes do think that um, the reason I don't do well in auditions or don't book more acting roles is because maybe it's really not what my calling is, and it's almost like the universe saying like. Even if I'm a really good actor, I'm definitely not the best actor. And in some ways, I'm one of the best at crowd work, at stand-up, at hosting. I do things that people don't do well at all. And I have so unique skills there, so yeah, maybe focusing on your most I, unique I think, contribution. I, I think the karma of the, uh, of the comedy universe throws itself at you and right. tells you what you should be doing. Right. I mean, dude, uh, to put it in perspective, uh, did you think I ever had any intention of owning a comedy? Like I said, right. I hated most club owners. Right. Half of club owners anyways. Um, but with my health issues and the things that happened, this was kind of God's curveball mm-hmm. and um, took me off the road. But at the same time, I'm still in the business that I love. And there's other perks to it now. I mean, if I was still a touring comic, I would never have had the opportunity to make all these friends with other totally. headliners yeah. because you and I would never be in the club at the same time. We'd be in two different venues. True. And the only time we would see each other would be at a, just for laughs, a festival, mm-hmm. something along those lines. But it's also awesome because you're a comic. I think that's part of why the cl- big part of why the club is so comic friendly. And it's so great when you hop on a show occasionally and you're so good at it. Like you're really oh, just a great well, comic you, and another, that, you're a great crowd work comic too, such a good improviser. And it's just a whole different level when you have that, you just know what it's like. It really makes it, you can relate to you in an entirely different way. So, uh, speaking of relating, uh, Neurotic Gangster was uh, how many years ago? Did it debut on Showtime? Did it debut? Uh, approaching two years ago, two and years. it's still airing every week on Showtime. So here's my it's airing question. again. This it's airing again on Tuesday at four p.m. I believe it's Tuesday, and they only have it until the end, until mid June, and then they their two year. Uh, window for window them to, expires, yeah. so you, you get it on demand right now. But um, I think we've seen a real move in the last few years now that comics have become a lot. When I started comedy, it wasn't uncommon for a comic to write his hour and mm. live off that hour for right. 10, 15 years because so the internet wasn't around, so right. the material wasn't being burnt, it wasn't being spent. Um, but you get a lot of airplay. You're online a lot. Your videos get a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a good social media comic. You're always promote your good self promoter. Try my website. best. No, you are. Believe me, I can. Uh, there's. Uh, it's very easy to tell which comics have thrown in the white towel on social media right. early in the game, which uh, I don't recommend to anybody in comics. I go the opposite. I buy ads. Exactly. For my weekends, right. putting well. hundreds of dollars into ads every city. Exactly, and I think you you really have to, and that's the type of stuff that makes you more bankable and bookable as Mm -hmm. well. But how much pressure do you feel now to turn over a new show to, I mean, you have a lot of new material, don't get me wrong, but I mean to turn over a new special, to make another uh, Neurotic Gangster the second, if you will. A lot of pressure, but I love the pressure. Like, I am, like maybe a lot of comics, but I'm even worse. I'm the worst procrastinator on earth. I'm the biggest night owl. I can never get my schedules done. I'm just up all night doing whatever calls to me. And so ADHD. I don't know if I do, because I can focus on stuff time, well when I need to. you have trouble to. turning the brain off to sleep? Oh, yes. I, yeah, oh, I, yes. Me too. I'm the same way. Oh, I can't at That's all. That's real common ADHD. I can stay up as long as I need to until I just force myself to go to sleep. You I'll, drive I'll never fast? fall asleep. I used to, not anymore. Not okay. that bad. But so I, I love the pressure, though. So I don't understand, even if comics didn't have their stuff online, they were, what were they doing? Going back to the same city for 15 years with the same hour? How are they going to get repeat fans? How are they going to get fans dying to come see them again? 
So the moment my Showtime special debuted, that night I threw away the entire hour, retired it, never repeated one of those jokes ever again. Again, wow. Never, except I did it one night only here a year ago so I could create meme videos to promote upcoming cities with that old hour because I didn't want to burn it so I could burn the old stuff. Never did it again other than that. Not one time. And it's my stuff I've cultivated forever for so many years. So, and the morning after my special came out, I was hitting an open mic and was working on 20 brand new minutes. And I had within five or six months after my special came out, another hour I felt really good about. Now I'm up to about an hour 50, close to two hours of brand new material that I've had since the special. And I'm just mixing in the different bits and trying to decide. And I'm really frustrated actually that I haven't been offered a second special within the first year after Neurotic can Gangster. I, I can do one a year 100%. So I can do a Louis C.K. prolificness. Why wait for someone to offer? Why not self-produce? And I honestly, and I'll talk more about that with sure, you afterwards sure. off air, but... Uh, why not? Because the frustrating thing I haven't figured out yet, maybe it just takes longer because maybe Louis cultivated for an extra 10 years that diehard fan base where he can sell it so if, if he self-releases. But I just unfortunately know if I, I think, if I self-release it, even if I charge the standard $5 a piece... I'm not going to sell enough of them to make it any kind of worthwhile well, money. I'm not for saying my, to necessarily self-release it, but self-produce it and then, and then sell it, it to then a, to it, the yeah. Netflix. I could. Show. I mean, and I'll tell you why. Just to maintain all that creative control. Right. One, two. Um, at the end of the day, you know as well as I do. When you start to get partners involved, whether it's a production company or whether right. it's a network themselves. They try to get involved in the creative aspect as well. And I always love and I find it audacious. And even when I see guys like who get a, 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 a Tonight Show or get a Colbert, uh, that they have to, first of all, you picked me and now I got to sit with your specialist right. to reshape the four and a half minute set that you right. guys already liked enough to hire me to do your TV right. show. Uh, but, but that's more so true for TV sets on late night shows. I think when you get our specials, they generally don't really give you notes. You'd like to hope, think so, but I think they're still going to get involved in the lot. I, I mean, got no just, notes from for my special. I did it with Scott Montoya, but but he self produced. He pre produced. Then we sold it to Showtime. So maybe so it would have been different. Idea, so yeah. he funded it at least. So and, and he was pretty and, and hands the thing off is now with that. that. You can do a quality recording like an unbelievable. Well, yeah, I just heard Tony Hinchcliffe under ten. Well, I just heard, heard Tony Clinton. I need to look at it because I don't even believe it, but I heard his, his specially sold to, to, Net, to Netflix was just off the Ice House's club camera. One camera. One shot. Oh, the whole thing if was that, one shot. Was it? Was, the whole thing. Is that no true? The whole thing was one shot. If that's true, it cost him stage. zero dollars. Yeah, it was one shot. I'm telling you. Right. If, so if that's, no way. If that's, that's true. That's locked off one That's what I heard. Yeah. Special. And Dane Cook did it actually years ago for the laugh for the one he did the laugh factory he did for Comedy Central that was in one shot. I actually helped him work on a bit. Um, and uh, so I, it's been done, I guess. So if, if, if I can do that and produce it for no money... Well, that's amazing. Even you can do more than one camera. You could easily put up three iPhones that shoot in 4K and shoot it for very little money. We, I'll show you a special. Uh, we shot a whole documentary series, um, and we used uh, strictly SLRs. That's nice. Four SLRs. Yeah. And it's really, really slick. Uh, and I just think, I mean, being a comic first, I just think there's... For the comics to have the ability to retain their craft, and at the end of the right. day... They're the, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know who Robert McKean is, right? He, I don't. He wrote the book Story, which is essentially oh, the yeah. manifest. Robert McKay. Robert McKay, I'm sorry. Uh, which is essentially the manifest for how to write a screenplay, yep. you know? And 
Uh, I'm a firm believer that the only true artist on any production comes from Robert McKay um, is the writer. The writer, 100%. Because everyone else is an interpretive artist. Yeah. Uh, the director sees a script, interprets it, visualizes it, puts his spin on it. The actors read the script, deliver the lines how they choose, but, you know, with due direction from the director. The only person that's starting with a blank canvas with absolutely nothing yeah. is the writer. And in a comedy special, that person is the comic themselves. Yep. And uh, to me, it's uh, the person who's throwing the most art into the project should be the one making the most calls, the most oh, decisions, sure. and, uh, and, you know, pulling totally. the trigger. Uh, and, I, and I just think there's, unfortunately, we come from a genre of people, a group of people, uh, who are amongst the smartest people, and I'm, I count myself very fortunate that comics are amongst my best friends because mm -hmm. I think they're the smartest people in the world. But I also think there's a lack of business acumen for a lot of comics Most of them, out yeah. there. Yep. And because of that, you say, hey, self-produce, they're like so fearful... Uh, they're just like, no, I'm going to wait till I, right. someone else does it with me. Or it's even like, well, go out. You're not working. Go out and get some work. So go, oh, I'll wait for my agent to call. Mm -hmm. You know, they're ha at the end of the day, I mean, and this has been beaten to death, this line, but it is show business. And I really do believe it's 90% business and 10% show. Mm. And the guys so it's that, like 90% showing up, that old phrase, it's the same exact premise. Yep. You have to, you have to actually put yourself out there more than you just believe the world's going to find your genius talent. The um, so if uh, let me ask, if you had your druthers, what was the dream gig for you? I mean, I know you uh, Carson and was yep. the love, but I mean, in in our current age, in this current stage, it still is. I still want a late night talk you show. Do a late night talk show, but I but I would like to first do my own version of the Daily Show. I'd like to it's probably do a political comedic show, and then transition to being a late night talk show host after that so kind of like pitched Colbert. any of these shows you're currently doing at the improv and in comedy like the I haven't yet I've been really lazy with that stuff there to be, that for sure yeah and, and there's another show I'm developing in addition to we the people that is one that's hosted by both sides and I feel like that's really interesting too because I realized you know of all the years of brilliant political satire that Stuart did and all those guys do, and all the shows that are on now, they're all these way left-leaning shows. They've been cited, and I agree. They, they There's just, no show that's had that parody right. of so, a left and yeah. right host. No. They just preach to the choir, so it, it, all this work Stuart did and all the Emmys and all the magazine covers, I don't know if he ever convinced one mind to flip an opinion. So what's the point then? You're just like, you're just masturbating your base. You know, what's the point, really, if you're not going to actually try to have the hard conversation? That's why I try to tell the jokes in Arizona that's, and in St. Louis, and that's why I try to put myself out there as somebody who's willing to have conversations with Tommy Lahren. I get yelled at by liberal friends all the time. How's Tommy Lahren your friend? This, you know, the angry, conservative. Yeah, I saw conservative. your tweet to him yesterday. Her, uh, her. Uh, her, sorry, yes. uh, her, uh, where you took a shot at her for... Yeah. Uh, um, I forget what she said exactly, but it was something along the lines. Of, Don't march against the NRA. March for, for something. something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah they're marching <laughs> for common sense gun that's control, it. and that's incredibly obvious. But so she's a friend of mine because... Hey, I like her as a person off camera. I don't like what she says on camera, but I think it's important to have those conversations. And so she recently got me on Fox News a month ago with her, and we got to debate some policy issues on Fox News. 
that's where I want to be on on camera, being able to actually speak to the people why, whose why minds. Why are you not getting put on those shows, Mara? Uh, you should I be marketing yourselves to those because you're immersing yourself in the political in the political world all the time with these different shows that you're doing, right. and that's essentially what they're looking for. They're looking for entertaining people that have prolific content to actually mm-hmm. add, whether they agree with it or not. Because obviously, if you right. do a Fox News network, let's be honest, you're going to be in the opposite side of the other sure. four panelists you're going to be sitting totally. with. But at the end of the day, they need that because otherwise, if they have five people. That all agree that's shitty TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be something that I would think. I mean, that's a great need. Yeah, too. it's just I all mean, a shift. And I think to, to my, like I was kind of hinting at earlier, I've just been afraid to fully dive in only to politics because I don't, I'm still a comedian that, you know, 80% of my act is not political. No, no. And I like to be able to be just a likable, funny guy that has funny observations about the world and doing crowd work and yeah. doing silly stuff. And I'm afraid a little bit. And it's not good ever to come from fear. So I think this is definitely something that's holding me back. But I'm afraid once I dive fully into the politics that it's going to be hard to then do the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a valid point. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of a fear of some kind of typecasting, right. if you will. But and that's less true these days. People cross genre a lot more than right. ever. Yeah. But I still think from – that's why I would need to be comedic political. And if I do too much like CNN and Fox News political, that's like less comedic and it's more making serious points and then like – they're going to really, you know, put me on the next ad midnight like they did before when I'm yeah. polarizing to that degree. I don't know. Um, but then again, like I said, if we're, people had to risk their lives by joining armies and fighting for their country, if I need to lose doing a silly shit-talking game show on at some point, maybe it's a small sacrifice to pay and I need to just man up and do it. Well, thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> if I decide Matt, to go, yeah, I guess you kind of helped out too. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> repelling from choppers, breaking your back, whatever. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. God, doesn't damn. matter. Uh, sort of my to point the Crack exactly. House podcast. We're talking to the very funny Ben Gleave, as we said. You know him from GSN's Idiot Test, from Neurotic Gangster on Show, Showtime. Did it right? Neurotic yes, Gangster. Sir. Um, also, uh, I mean, uh, just uh, one, one of the one of the really solid stand-ups of our of our generation, and a hard-working dude. I'll say this much about you, pal: you are not one of these guys that takes a lot of time. I I think you're good. It's probably best that you are not a family man at this stage. Yeah, right probably. Now. No, you're a heart. You are always all over the place, mm-hmm. and you've always got some kind of project on the go or trying to get something off on off the ground. Mm-hmm. So um, that type of dedication in this industry requires someone who has the ability to be able to just pick up and go whenever he wants. Yeah. Um, Thank you, you for see, those kind words. Do you see that happening, though? Do you see yourself Yeah, it just killed another guy? relationship, so that's well, perfect. Well, I, did, I didn't want to bring it up because I knew your ex, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but um, uh, I, I know you recently have broken up. Mm-hmm. If anything, did we get a new fodder for at least 10 new minutes? Do we have some time? So far, I've got up? a solid four more minutes from it. A solid four, good. So there's something there. There's something. Yeah, there's, um, that's what every breakup should... If, yeah. if it's going to give you a heartache and a loss mm-hmm. of cash, at least it better give right. you some new time, right? I'm not a, a comedian that typically tells that many personal stories on stage. My stuff's more observational about the world and a commentary about society, and so I don't bring that much from my personal life in, even though I should more because some people's favorite bits from my Showtime special are the personal stories about getting high with my dad or about yeah. different things from my life. But I just prefer – I feel like in general when – it just seems to me a lot easier. Like the shift has always been storyteller comedians, of course. But to me, it's gotten to a point where at least the stories used to be like broadly applicable to people. And now people are calling themselves comedians who are really just have like five funny stories that happens particularly only to them. They're such absurd scenarios 
that no one relates to them. They're just funny to hear. A guy literally, I was doing a thing and then I was hired by a porn site to do this thing and can you believe now I'm in this crazy scenario? It's like, it's a funny panel story and yeah, it's going to get laughs at a nightclub. But make you an expert. Right. Yeah. You're, it's not, you're, you have nothing to say about the world. And so unless your stories are so chock full of humanity where it makes people really relate to it, to me, you're just telling funny stories. You may as well be on Loveline for an hour telling those stories and it's the same thing as your hour. And so... I don't like when people just go on stage and only just share every embarrassing, sexual, dirty detail of their lives. Yes, it makes people laugh, but it's lowest common denominator. LCD. Yeah, and you're not, you're not a comedian. Your brain is not one that skewers the world. You're just repeating a funny story. We all have, every non-comedian, every grandma has 10 funny stories from her life. That doesn't make you one of the great comedians. You need to be able to comment on the world to some degree, even through one-liners, through, through sociologically commented bits, or just through weird, surreal bits. Say something that applies to an observation that's unique that you made. So who does Ben Glebe find really funny in this day and age? Is there are comics out there right now that are, uh, that are yeah. doing it for you? Yeah, I don't watch a ton of stand-up. I really try not to. It just kind of bothers me. And, and, you hear, and it can influence you It can influence well. you. Yeah. And then you just hear a bit that's similar to a thing you talk about, and you're like, damn it. Oh, uh, now I have to drop that. Blah, blah, so yeah. annoying. Yeah. But that said, I love Bill Burr. I love, um, damn it, what's his name? What's his name I'm blocking from the stand-up specials, the half-hour specials that uh, Netflix did? Oh, you're talking about. Uh, the real surreal kind of the dude that did Nate Bergazzi? Yeah, Nate Bergazzi, yeah, buddy of mine. Had, <laughs> so funny. You know, Such I knew his dad. Cra- really? From when I started magic. as a magician, I used to go to oh, magic wow. conventions. Nate's dad was uh, one of the best. I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he's one of the most original thinkers. Nate, I think he's really, really funny. Love Terrific. And, love him. And he's doing a really good job at building a uh, a niche audience for himself. Like he has fans all over the. He almost has like a Hedberg esque style to mm-hmm. him in the respects that um, uh, you like. Uh, we were really set aback and surprised by how many pockets of fans he had in the different mm-hmm. markets. It was really, uh, it was impressive, very impressive. Yeah, he's great, and I have, I love Chappelle and I love Rock. I just think they're still the guys that just comment on the world the best. And you know who's solid? Speaking of Rock, is not just Tony, who's been really actually finding. Mm-hmm. A I group, love Tony, but Jordan oh. has been oh. really. Uh, they're I, saying I haven't big, seen any of that. Yeah, Jordan's yeah. making a big. Interest nice. Jordan yeah. Rock, that's cool. Although and then, I, I still to be one, to be that funny and still be known as uh, I know uh, as the brother, you know, that's tough, man. And wow. I'd never I'd never seen Ricky Gervais stand up until recently, but I just watched so far like half of his new Netflix special, and it's really funny. There's your got social commentator, yeah, yeah, big time. I really liked what you said though about the storytelling stuff because I'm a new comic, mm-hmm. and I think it's important for the new comics out there that are hearing this that they consider themselves storytellers. That's my problem right now. I'm going through a tr- transition. Is right with writing is why am I telling this story? I didn't. Have, yeah. I didn't have a why. Yeah. And, you know, all I heard was yeah, it's great. Tell and stories. Look, I, tell stories is great, but that was great to hear that because I think that's yeah. important. Yeah. Because you still have. Because you don't want to be the grandmother with one of the ten funny stories. Right. Yeah, you you want to have a point. I want to like, have a point, but that's not. That's I'm sorry. You with. just. You just. I mean, and like, this is a challenge to you. Like, I'm not. I don't mean it to be like disrespectful, no, it's, it's, but it's great to hear. But keep asking yourself that why. And if at some point you don't have that why, stop doing stand up. Do other shit. Yeah. Not everybody's supposed to be a stand up. Like, 
I'm not one of those people that's always encouraging people to try stand-up and getting people in there. And I think comedy classes are a real mistake generally and shouldn't even exist. You shouldn't be trying to encourage people who don't feel this deep need to become stand-ups because they've I, seen I the agree. world comedically the to do head. it. It's the deal. I always have people that uh, if they've they'll say to me, uh, this is one thing I hear often. They'll say, I've been toying with this for the longest time. I've always wanted right. I, Then I'll To those people, I'll say this. I go, look, if it's something that's been nine away and you really want to do this, then I strongly encourage you to at least get up on an open mic night, so at least you don't go to go. You don't go to your casket sure. saying to yourself, "Would have, could have, should have." Right. Sure. Uh, so for those people, yeah. But for those guys that uh, a buddy, or the opposite, a guy will come over and say, "I have a friend. He is the funniest guy in the world," and I'll say, "Yeah." In he might conversation, be very funny, but he's funny to you. And you get to see him around 20 people that are all peers, yeah. all the same age, all the same ethnic background, probably. Just whereas, means he's a good conversationalist, all it means. The people that are true comics have to find, have to do something that most people can't do in trying to tell a funny story. You have to be able to make a room full of strangers from all walks of yeah. life, different ages, uh, sexes, uh, ethnic backgrounds, religious backgrounds, find commonality in what you're saying. And that is the real challenge of what I think sets apart someone totally. who tells sure. something funny to someone who's a comedian. Someone who's a comedian, it's an art, it's a skill. They know yeah. how to they know how to meter their room. They know what yes. they have to do. There's a million skills. And and I'm just sick of you know being in LA too, you see it the worst. There's so many people you know, these like real attractive young girls and these young boys that move out there and want to be TV hosts only and are just using stand-up. And I get why they do it. As, it's a, as, a, as a showcase. They only develop seven minutes yeah. and they do the seven minutes everywhere. And they say they're a comic and there's a comedian on their Twitter bio and they just have seven damn minutes. Anybody can memorize seven minutes and adjust it to get laughs in seven minutes. So it does not make you a comedian. What are your thoughts then on a guy like um, a Judd Apatow? Yeah. Who we know is a brilliant comedic mind mm -hmm. and a phenomenal movie producer, a comedic movie producer. Um, but then, you know, started in stand-up. And when I say started in stand-up, I mean, I get the sense reading his backstory, he was really never more than an, uh, uh, you know, an open micer type of guy that was probably doing 10 minutes. Is that right? That's I knew he did it. I, I didn't know. I, I, because he always talked about his roommate at the time was uh, who uh, it was a very comic that became very successful. Um, and now I can't remember who it was. Ben Glebe. It was Ben Glebe. Adam Sandler was his roommate. Was it Adam? Okay, Adam so it was Adam. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was so, pretty popular. So I get, but then, so you have this guy who's hugely successful and all of a sudden, you know, 30, 40 years, or 30 years into his comedy career, decides, hey, I'm going to go film a stand-up comedy special. What are your thoughts on that then? Because I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of seeing people use stand-up as a launch pad. I understand, right. like you, why they're doing it. Right. But at the same time, I find it disrespectful to comics yeah. who have put in nothing but time, blood, yeah. sweat, and tears. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so... So with Apatow, I see it differently because, well, A, I mean, he's buddy. I think he's awesome. He's yeah. so prolific. And I think if you started in stand-up and did it for a while, and then your career shifted, like we were just talking about, you know, your careers may shift. If I do dive more fully into politics, mine will shift. You know what I mean? It could take me away from the stage for a while, maybe. Who knows? Um, I think when you become one of the legends who's created some of the best comedic entertainment for decades now, you want to go back into stand-up, you have earned that right big time. And that's, to me, more like any star that comes in. And he also put in the work. Before he did his Netflix special. Let me into the into the mix then. Then what do you think, then, of a Jeremy Piven? 
Yeah, that I'm not a fan of that idea. Because That's obviously hugely successful, didn't yeah. start as a comic, right. but has kind of found that gear late in life. Yeah, and I haven't seen him yet, and some people are saying he's working hard and he's doing open mics, and if that's so, like I'm, I'll keep an open mind to it, but that I'm not a fan of. A guy is surely an actor and just yeah. is in a lull currently and wants to use stand-up as a way to put himself in front of people again and use his name and make some extra money, like... That t- I don't, I'm not going to stop him. Well, I don't think he's but, doing it for the extra money. Let's be well. Who knows? Seven, really, seventy-five dollar comedy store. Uh, no, but once he starts going stuff. on the road, he's going to be making big ass money doing it. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. Believe it or not, I think he actually has a first full paid weekend in Florida. Well, uh, there you go. I'd have to Google after that, what doing I, it for six months or something. Well, so. there, well there's like Cato Kalin that does the same Kato thing. Cato opened for me. I think I told you that story. Cato ended up opening for me the same year as the OJ stuff when he was trying to. Uh, basically jumpstart his career right. um, from being a pool boy to, you know, the king of the entertainment He's a pretty industry. funny dude in life, too, but I'm sure on stage he's probably not great. Terrible. Yeah. I, sp- I spent my hour basically beating the shit out of him. <laughs> That's all I did. But because like, I found it, like I said, I found it audacious. Right. The same way I get really aggravated when I watch these um, uh, contests on TV, whether it's a single right. contest or America's Got Talent, and then they award it to, like, a 13-year-old girl. Uh, not that they don't have skill, the person, or, or potentially might be a star, but I'm still a believer that an artist is someone who's endured a lot of pain, right, misery, right. discomfort, yeah. and had to struggle to get to where they are. And to see someone who doesn't have to go through the struggle and just be right. given a plate full of money, it's uh, totally. Uh, I find a little uh, bit aggro. It's, it's a slap in sure. the face to artists. But like Judd, you know, he was hitting the clubs hard, and he was he was asking for spots all the time on my comedy juice shows in L.A. Yeah. I'd recently. Sold Comedy Juice, but that was my brand you forever. Sold, how does that happen? How do you sell a branded show? You sell, but that's all the brand. I'd built a comedy brand with Scott Richardson for 15 years and consistently put on some of the best lineups and best shows and best vibes. And we had the website and the email lists and just the reach to fill shows on both coasts so why every week. So why did you unload week. it? Because I... What's the I, downside to keeping I should that? have done it a long time ago because the downside is that I kept getting dragged into putting out fires... For no money, I wasn't making enough money. Scott and I were splitting whatever little profit there was. There was almost none. And we, I was getting literally drawn, drawn. He and I were trying to develop one of those political shows. And every time we couldn't ever work on our bigger goals because somebody would call and say, Comedy Juice has a dropout and this, or the club wants to move this thing and change. And I was basically a club owner without the physical brick and mortar. And I was just, as you know, you can't do both really. It's very hard. And I was just getting dragged into it as just a service to comedy because I loved having this great brand that gave spots and they gave the starts to so many careers like Owen Benjamin and Whitney Cummings and and Adam Devine and gave them some of their most important early spots as they started to really like shine. Never heard of any of those. (laughs) And, and, I love having you know a, a, a brand that put on amazing shows that were the best stage time, but luckily I passed it up to somebody who's going to make it even next level better. Steve Hofstetter is taking it over, and and he's going to run it. He's great business mind. He's going to take it to the next level, so I was able to have peace with moving on from it. But um, it's just frustrating to me when you know, like like you were saying, you're starting out. N- not just ask yourself the why, but also ask yourself: Are you doing anything different? Are you saying anything unique? Because it's it's pretty comical. It's it's like embarrassingly comical. You walk into any comedy club in the country, and I guarantee you, eighty percent of the time, if you just pop in your ear for sixty seconds and walk out, you're gonna hear 
80% of the time, my pussy ended and my vagina, my dick did, coming all over, da, 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 fucking, and my balls and this fuck, and this guy, all of a sudden I'm in the porn and this fucking shitty fucking dick all over, fucking but bitches. Like, what the fuck is. Did he watch Matt's, Matt's closer? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, are we fucking, is this a sex addict, an anonymous club, or weed? I'm so fucking weeded out. And I have jokes, a couple jokes about sex, a couple jokes about weed, but don't, if your stories are just the same dirty story everybody fucking tells, and it's the same fucking vibe, you're not a good comic. I'm sorry. Mix that shit up. Sorry, Matt. That's what you're talking about. I didn't really hear you. <laughs> but, like, brings, be different. You, I mean, you're, you're a comic, but you're not going to be one of the greats. You yeah. got to be, you got to have something unique, well, some twist, some I will say this, Ben, whether you're known as the great comic, and I think you're a great comic, but whether you're ever known in that way, I will say this, you will be known as the best jacket guy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Every time you perform for, <laughs> at any of our venues, yeah. you have, uh, I think the last time I took photos of you, you had a cowboy hat and a long white coat. <laughs> a long white trench got, coat, today corduroy. You got the short bomber leathered brown jacket with the retro, uh, looks like a Ghostbuster t shirt yeah. in yep. there. Yep. So you definitely are the king of the jackets, Thank brother. you. Thank uh, you so much. Uh, anyhow, but I really, I really appreciate you sitting down. Strangely enough, as long as we've known each other, we don't get a lot of like sit down, shit yeah. to shit kind of time. No, that's true. Um, and it's just where both. And you're both never going to invite me golfing again, so. That's not true. I, I had fun, and that was, <laughs> it was one of so the. Much I had fun. enjoyed doing that interview with you yeah, actually. That was a blast. On the, and you, you were uh, one of the first guys that we did that with, and now I keep it up every. Spring, oh, you do. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I forgot we did an interview during the golf we match. Did. We, we did. played on an entire hole on the golf course. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Um, as a matter of fact, this weekend's going to be a fun weekend for me because I've got Rich Voss in town, and the MC is a dear old friend of mine, also a headliner, just happens to be playing Vegas uh, by the name of David Mary. Uh, Dave's like a scratch golfer. Rich is a golfaholic, so um, nice. I'll be able to get a big uh, interview in on the golf course here in Arizona. So and there'll be less mulligans. That's exciting for them <laughs> and for you. You can have as many mulligans as you want, brother. Thank I'm you, glad man. that you just came out and you did it. Well, I would do it any time as long fun. as it doesn't frustrate you that much. I'm oh, down. It doesn't frustrate me in the least. <laughs> Not in the least. Um, what's next for you, and where can Pete and where can our listeners find you here at the Crack R, as we like to call them? We have a few names for our listeners. We got crackheads. We got crackheads. We got crack whores. Uh, we have crackers. crackers. Oh, I like that. Uh, so we, you know, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of cracks uh, out there, a lot of different types. Well, of listen, crack. I'm a crack addict myself, so I love the podcast. Um, <laughs> a crack addict is another one you guys could do. Crack addicts, so I like your, a lot. For your like super VIP club. Um, I will be in Boston in two weeks at Laugh Boston, and then I will be coming Where's up. Laugh Boston? I'm not sure where it is, but it's in Boston, is in the, in the city of Boston. <laughs> where they, where they no, um, but it was, who's, is that, that's not John's club, is it? Tobin? I do not know the answer to that. Oh, I got to get you in with John. Oh, that'd be cool. Tobin, yeah. Sure. I would love Which it. Is that Laugh Boston? And then I'll be coming to San Diego to the La Jolla Comedy Store and coming to Dallas. You're going to play the uh, the store in La Jolla? The store in La Jolla. Yeah, I hear that. You know, it's uh, Eric's a good friend of mine. I've never, uh, I hear that the condo is beautifully located. Oh, it's right on the right beach. On the it's beach. magical. Oh, yeah. It is so wonderful. So now you just need to take my condo from here and move yes. it. Yes, <laughs> and I bring a feature there too, and it's a wonderful vacation. And so I'm doing that. I'm doing Hyenas, Dallas, and Plano coming up. I'm doing Washington D.C. The Draft House coming up. You can get tickets to all of it at Glebe.com, G-L-E-I-B.com. Which and I then, like. One of the few comics that still actually maintain a website I and do. not just a social media I page do. like Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. yeah, I try my best to do that. And then uh, yeah, just subscribe to Last Week on Earth podcast, and I summarize the world every week. So check that out and watch my special airing this 
Tuesday at 4 p.m. Yeah, on, on show. show on, set those DVRs on folks. show next. Our show next. And also at if, Ben Glebe uh, on all social those, media. For those uh, my Instagram stories, I couldn't be more addicted to it. Every day I'm putting up weird out of the box Instagram no, stories. So like I said, you're pretty good. You're, you're producing content. Stealing buns. And man. also for those of you uh, watching us on Facebook Live, uh, you still have time to see Ben's last show here in Phoenix at the House of Comedy on High Street. City North area uh, at 7 p.m. So uh, get your tickets right away. Come down right now. Don't Lieber. be a dumbass. Is Thanks, is buddy. Cleanup? My pleasure, uh, really brother. Thank good, you so much. Uh, Wait, hold on. Yeah, it's what's Same. that? Oh, he, he, Buck does a little cleanup at the end. Oh, we sure. Yeah, we can do the cleanup right? with Buck. Oh, yeah. But uh, I was just going to say real quick, oh, yeah, though. Yeah. Um, uh, make sure uh, wh- whether you're hearing us uh, here or come to see uh, Ben at any of our clubs, uh, just go see him in whatever market he's at. Yeah. And uh, uh, most importantly, again, folks, we talked about this earlier, uh, believing that uh, truly believing all four of us here that stand up is the last bastion of free speech. Continue supporting local live stand-up comedy no matter where you live because, believe me, if you want to maintain the Second Amendment, you're going to need to maintain comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to. Uh, we need the free speech, yes, boys. Without, All right, Buck. Buck, what do we got? Without one A, you got no two A. Exactly. A couple of loose ends. Uh, according to IMDb, Tony Hinchcliffe released his comedy special One Shot in 2016. It, it was is, called One Shot? It yeah. is one continuous shot from the Ice House. Is it called that? It's not called that. It's called One Shot. Oh, wow. Like yeah, that. yeah. Interesting. So that's actually kind of clever then. Real clever. It cost him, like you said, $4 to make yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. You, call, you literally just have to give a $5 tip to the sound guy. That's it. It's a. Uh, it's called One Shot, which, of course, probably he was able to do unlimited shots to get the one he wanted. But it's still brilliant. Yep. According to the Naples Daily News, Jeremy Piven is booked uh, next month. Tickets start in, at $30 in Florida. In Florida. <laughs> Naples, Florida, yep. And See, Ben, that's how good you are. You're going, your ticket's only $4 less than friggin' Piven. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, Not you're bad. actually a stand-up. Wow, so that proves my whole fucking point. <laughs> He's starting his ticket price in year one above my 18 years deep ticket price. <laughs> Because yeah. he shouts great as an agent on a show that someone else wrote lines for him. I gotta see him live! Once he gets Nutty <laughs> Professor 2, he won't feel like he needs to do stand up. Oh, anymore. it's embarrassing. That's right. <laughs> so then we also have Ben, your Infinity uh, does take a full synthetic 5W30. 5W30, thank you very much. I 5W or 10W. I love it. Bang on. There it is. Yeah, Rick got it. usually wouldn't know the answer to that question. No, I'm amazed you even knew what oil was. Oil, oil, we know, but we don't usually get good deals on oil. The whole point of Hanukkah is the one time Jews got a good deal on oil. Because it lasted eight days. It's a great bargain. What else, Uncle Buck? That's everything that we missed from the show, but I did want to say... We kind of covered everything. I mean, there's errors, because a lot of what we say is we're us talking to more of omissions. I would say an omission. E and O. It's actually a name for a good podcast. E and O. Errors and omissions. Yeah. It's yeah, actually yeah. a good name for a podcast. Yeah. What did you want to say? Oh, the last thing was just for you, Ben. Uh, Zoran Zoran. Do you ever remember that video that you made? Of course. It's one of my favorite characters. Me also. And oh, I've thanks. been periodically looking for that. My brother and I had memorized the whole thing. Oh, wow. I haven't been able to find it online. It's very hard to find. For a long time. Would you be able to... I Allow need me to, to watch find that it. again somehow. Well, I'll definitely. <laughs> like to watch it. What I have to do is, is in the privacy of his kind. <laughs> however, it has to be. What I have to do is find my old foot. I have the footage. I need to transfer it all to digital format so I can put these things. I had this talk. Show. I had a late night talk show, National Lampoon Network, about twelve years ago. Yeah. And I created all these characters. I would do in sketches and hidden camera bits, and some of the videos went really viral. One of them was Which Zoran's is impressive saying that twelve back years then. ago. Yeah. And, and uh, one of my favorite characters ever was Zoran Zoran, the world's fastest hypnotist. He had a blonde mullet wig, mullet, <laughs> blonde mullet mustache, and he was just a complete idiot. 
And he thought he was this great hypnotist. And literally, I would go out in the world and real hidden camera bits and go up to people and be like, oh, hi, you have a nice dog. Can I buy him from you? You're getting very sleepy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and uh, my catchphrase was, that's right. So when you did it, were you doing it as streeters and going up to uh, real people? Real people. Oh, great. yeah. I love it. That was after the initial sketches, but... I don't even know where you saw it. Did you see it in college at the, on the National Lampoon? Oh, Network? yeah, this was like 2005. It was like the Gleep wow. Show or something. The Gleep Show, yeah. And, and yeah, wow. and one of my favorite lines was like, in it, you're like, you'll order my tapes. It was an infomercial. I it's like, the exact line. You'll I go, never remember. <laughs> I go, you can subscribe for my tape series. First, you will get a tape in the mail entitled Ordering More Tapes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then you will feel the need to buy more tapes. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you'll never remember that you bought the tapes. You'll kick yourself with a show. That's why I'm afraid to ever like go full political because my heart is lighter and I want. I love doing silly, stupid. Isn't that so cool though? That a fan from 12, 13 years ago sees something and stay. It just shows you how powerful uh, connecting, you know, and finding that something that just connects. And you never know what it is because that one bit connected with Buck, but. Maybe it means nothing to someone else, yeah. and they're more along the lines of, oh, I like the Ben getting high with his dad bit. Sure. That's we know that what I connect with. But, but, but like, that, that is, is a beautiful thing because it's just it's, it's such an amazing feeling, something that I wrote with my own brain. Long, I mean, that's amazing. And, yeah. that, and that still yeah. resonates. I, I took this whole gig. I was like, Gleep's going to be here in four weeks. Yeah, I'll do the podcast. So I'll, <laughs> set it, I'll set it all up. Take that, Jeremy Piven. How do you like I, that? I just want to tell him I like that sketch. Are you quitting in three minutes? No, it turns out I like all you guys, too, so I think we'll, I'll stay. I'll stay. All right, good to hear. Yeah. Stay right where you are. We That's right. this was going to be contingent on the Gleep factor. Thank God. Uh, folks, thank you for joining us thank on the so Crack much. House podcast. On behalf of... Jack. Matt. And our producers... Oh. I'm Buck, and that's Felix. And, and Felix, who, uh, who just do a great job for us here at the House of Comedy on the Crack House podcast. Uh, we thank you for tuning in. And again, check out uh, Ben Glee when he comes to your city, town, or other. Because uh, he has a good agent. He will get him a moon gig. And a lot of y'all are living in shitholes, so you're not a city or a town. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of shithole countries, according to Trump. (laughs) I meant shithole individual cities. I would never say that about countries, you guys. Uh, Thanks, folks. Thank you. Have a great, uh, have a great day. And uh, and uh, Ben, I really appreciate you doing this, buddy. Anytime. Thanks, Rick. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Old Arroyo Entertainment. Record, mix, and master your work in a private studio in Central Phoenix, near Camelback and Central, south of Uptown Plaza, near the light rail station. And you know they also do photography for your events, wedding, and portraits. Check them out online at oldarroyoentertainment.com. That's Old Arroyo, A-R-R-O-Y-O, entertainment.com. Big Pine Comedy Festival, September 19th to 22nd in downtown Flagstaff, Arizona. Check us out online at bigpinecomedyfestival.com.